You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. So over in Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to turn to Ephesians 1, they'll probably have the scriptures up. In, in verse 16, this prayer says, I, uh, I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. What is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Not, not that you may think or not that you may wonder, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward you. His power is toward you. Amen. And it's mighty power, it goes on to say. So, so this revelation is what you need from one level of glory to the next level of glory. And you know, I'll still be uh, watching uh, a Brother Hagen video. I just did the other day. And he said something, and I thought, wow, I've never heard him say that. And the camera panned across the crowd, and there I sat. <laughs> I mean, I was there. He said it when I was there, but I'm not the same person that I was 30 years ago, so I'm hearing things different. So you can hear the same thing you heard last year. And it hit you a totally different way or you hear something you've never heard because you are not the same because you're going from one level of glory and we are changed by the word of God. Uh, same thing again and again. And uh, this word is not dead. This is not dead words on a dead page. I mean, it's sometimes like the words just get up and start dancing around and I'll start seeing something over a scripture that I thought I knew and that I, that I had memorized, knew the Greek, knew the Hebrew, and all of a sudden I'll see something I've never seen before. So the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. We, we say, well, you know, sometimes I didn't see it coming, it blindsided me. Uh, it's talking about there are areas where we may not have clear vision. And uh, we had a car one time that had a blind spot. And I mean, if another car got in that blind spot, you didn't even know that car. Imagine something, uh, uh, you know, two tons, 4,000 pounds, almost right next to you. And you don't even know it's there. How's that even possible? Oh, yeah, if it's in your blind spot. So to be blindsided is to be oblivious to something that's, that's coming or something that's close or that's near. You know, I should have seen it, uh, but I didn't uh, because they were in my blind spot. You ever go through something, you didn't, you didn't see it coming, uh, and you think, boy, if I would have seen it, I would have done that differently. 
in retrospect, I now see things that I didn't see at the time because I was blindsided. So uh, in the New Testament, uh, it talks about three different kinds of people. The first one is natural man. Everybody say natural man. Natural man lives by his five senses, you know, uh, see, touch, hear, taste, smell, and it keeps him in touch with the world. He's naturally alive, but spiritually dead. Ephesians, uh, we just read through Ephesians 2.1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So dead here and most of the time in the New Testament doesn't mean end of life as we know it. It means separation. So if you're separated from God, you're, 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 you're dead or, or blind to him. doesn't mean he doesn't exist, but you don't see him. Well, Jesus came to change all that. And that's the next type of person the New Testament talks about, that spiritual man. Everybody say spiritual man. So spiritual man is alive unto God. His spirit has been made alive. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So uh, man is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. So you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And your, your soul and your body will fight to rule you. But you need to be led by your spirit. And, you know, uh, there's a real simple way you can tell the difference. Your, your, your body craves things. And you're, you might be sitting in the living room and your body will say, go in the kitchen and get a piece of that chocolate cake. Because you start craving it. And then your soul will say, you know, I've been lonely. Get me one too. And then you have two pieces of cake. And your spirit will say, eat an apple. That's how you can tell the difference. So spiritual man, everybody say spiritual man. Spiritual man is alive to God, but he considers his natural man dead. I'm dead to it. I'm not going to make my decisions because of it. I'm not going to be controlled by it. I'm not going to allow my emotions to rule me. I'm not going to allow outward circumstances to dominate me and my thinking and blindside me. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. I don't have to go the way the world goes. I don't have to be upset when the world's upset. I don't have to give up when the world gives up. I, I don't have to react to situations the way the world does because I'm fed from a different impulse. I'm fed from my spirit. I'm spiritual men. And the third category is where most of the church is. The church world, I mean, I can tell everybody here pretty much in the spiritual category. The third one is carnal man. Everybody say carnal man. Now, the carnal man is a spiritual man who has been made alive unto Christ. Paul talks about it a lot, probably most famously in 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, he, he started uh, talking about it and said, y'all are, you know, I can't even, he said, I can't even talk to you like spiritual, even though you've, you've been saved because you are fleshly. You're a bunch of babies. And so a uh, uh, carnal man responds primarily to natural circumstances and impulses. Fleshly Christians, carnal Christians. Now we, we usually refer a, a, and reserve this for the Christians who are saved, who have been saved, but we, how we'd say is they don't live right. 
you know, partying, drinking, smoking, shacking, cussing. And all of that is fruit that comes out of carnality, but it's not the only fruit. Because the Bible says if you're worry, you're carnal. The Bible says if you're unforgiving, you're carnal. Bible says if you're angry, you're carnal. If you're judging, talking trash about somebody, you're carnal. Amen? Now, uh, 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 these three types of people. Now, Romans, over in Romans 8 and verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so when we as believers allow ourselves to react to natural circumstances, we become at war on the inside. Natural man lives in the flesh, but is dead to God. Spiritual man has crucified the flesh and is alive unto God. Put his, he's put his flesh on the cross. Doesn't mean that he doesn't feel jealous or unforgiving or angry, but I'm not going to react to it. He's dead to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to react to that. I'm going to demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's spiritual man. So spiritual man has put his flesh on the cross so he could put his faith on the throne. And anytime you put your flesh on the throne, you put your faith on the cross. So now here's the deal with carnal man. Carnal man is schizo. He quotes scripture, but still worries. Raises his hands and claps and sings and dances but still talks bad about people. Carnal man is getting signals from both places. One minute, I'm believing God. Woo! Next minute, I don't know why it's not working. One minute, listen to praise music in the car. I will build a boat. Next minute, why you so-and-so, somebody pulls out in front of you. (laughs) You're getting signals from both places. So you do see that you can be a person of faith and still react improperly to situations around you. You don't really need a Bible to understand that. You don't need to speak Greek to understand that, you know. The Greek word for, you don't need the Greek word. (laughs) All you need to do is look at you. Close the Bible and look at yourself. So, Being a a, a spiritual man doesn't mean you don't go through things and you don't have things thrown at you. It's how you respond to them. 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4 and verse 8, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How can you have trouble all around you and not be stressed out? We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. So we have the same spirit of faith. Same the same spirit of faith as who? As Moses, as, as Joshua, as Abraham, as Paul, as Jesus. 
There's just one Holy Spirit. There's, there's just one God. The same spirit that empowered and quickened Moses lives in you. The same spirit that was on him to the point that he glowed in, in the dark and lit up and freaked them all out. He looked like an alien to him. They couldn't even look at him. The same spirit that was on David when he loaded up his slingshot with one stone and took down Goliath. And he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. The same spirit that was on Elijah on Mount Carmel when he challenged the 450 false prophets of Baal. And he said, we're going to get two bowls and we're going to lay them on the wood for a sacrifice. Don't put any fire under them. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And they cried out to Baal from morning till noon. And there was no voice. And Elijah mocked him and said, just keep calling. Maybe he's on a journey. He might be sleeping. And he started mocking him. And he said, now get my sacrifice and put it on the wood and dig a trench around it and pour water all over it. Well, you don't pour water on a sacrifice, but he said, pour water all over it. And they did. And he said, do it a third time. And they did. And or a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they poured on so much water that the water ran and filled up the trenches. And he said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am a servant, and I have done all this at your word. And the fire of God fell from heaven, and it burned up the sacrifice, and it burned up the wood, and it burned up all the dust, and burned up the rocks. You can't burn up rocks. Rocks are what you put around a fire to keep it from spreading. But the fire of God can burn rocks up. And it said, and it came and it licked up all the water out of the trench. The same spirit, the very same spirit that did all that lives in you. The same one. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And he got down on his knees and he started praying and sent his servant to see if anything's happening. He said, nothing's happening. Boy, I've heard that. Haven't you heard that? Nothing's happening. You said, this is this going to fill up and all these things are going to happen. Doesn't look like anything's happening. He sent him back again. Anything happening? Nothing's happening. Send him back. Send him back. Send him back. Kept going back. Nothing's happening. And now his servant knows him. And don't get too excited because he knows he's going to get it. It doesn't take much, you know. I think I saw somebody raise, raise their hand to get saved. That's it. You know, they're like, don't say, you know, he's going to go crazy and say, that's it. That's what we've been waiting for. So it, it, seventh time, well, there's something, but don't get too excited. Just, just a little cloud, little bitty cloud the size of a man's hand. And you know what he said? That's it. That's all he needed. And he got up and he started running over 40 miles an hour. Can you imagine that for 20? You know, no preacher can't run uh, 20 miles. But the, the spirit of God comes on you and you can. The same spirit that came on Elijah is the one that lives in you. It's the same spirit that hovered on the face of the deep when God created everything. And he comes on you at times and he lives in you always. 
That's the spirit that hovers on you on your bed when you're sleeping. And comes on you in your chair when you're praying. And fills up the car when you're going down the road worshiping God. The same Holy Ghost that was on Jesus when he said to the man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been crippled 38 years, get up, and he got up. The same spirit comes on you that came on Jesus when he stood in front of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth, and here comes a mummy jumping out of a tomb, bound hand to foot and grave clothes, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. That's the same spirit. There's only one, and he lives in you, and he'll come on you to varying degrees according to how much we desire him to. According to how much we believe him to. The same spirit of faith is with us and on us and in it. You don't have to be able to quote half the Bible. You don't have to be able to explain Greek and Hebrew words. Just believe and say what, what he did for Elijah. You know, James said, Elijah's a man just like you are. What he did for Elijah, he's doing for me. I'm telling you, faith gets happy before it sees anything. Faith gets happy before it feels anything. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. We're troubled on every side, not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. He's referring to the same spirit of faith in this verse. And if you got the same spirit of faith, you'd talk the same way too. Symptoms, but not done. Bills, but not over. Tormented thoughts, but not true. Attacked, but not defeated. Some things I don't know, but I'm not giving up. You have to have that same spirit of faith in you. We believe, therefore we speak. Psalm 91 says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. And then later on in verse 9 it says, because you have made the Lord your refuge. God didn't do it. He was waiting on you to say it. He has to wait on you to say it because authority on earth has been given to mankind. Earthlings have been authorized. And Jesus told us, I authorize you to go lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons. No deadly thing shall hurt you. You'll speak with new tongues. These signs will follow you. And they went everywhere preaching. And the Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So he told us to do it. But he said, you're not on your own. It's my power in your mouth. It's not your power. But he has to have your mouth. Because you have made the Lord your refuge. How, how did I do that? By saying it. I will say of the Lord. Look what else. Turn over to Psalm 91. Look what else he'll do. Verse 11. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up 
on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Angels on assignment because of what you say. So authority is released in your mouth. It's, it's your mouth. It's your voice. It's your prayer. It's your song. It's your shout. It's your praise. Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Do you know when you shout unto God with a voice of triumph, the Bible says that you terrorize your enemy? The Bible said in 1 Samuel that the enemy, uh, the Philistines were terrorized because they heard the Israelites shouting to God. All they did was shout and it terrorized them. And they said, the Lord has gone up in a shout. I mean, they knew when they heard it. Uh Uh-oh. Remember Gideon and his 300 men? Their enemy, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east, it says we don't even know how many thousands or tens of thousands that was. But we do know the Bible says that they lay along the valley like a swarm of locusts for multitudes and their camels were without number. Couldn't even count them as the sands of the seashore for multitude. And Gideon took 300 men and split them up in three groups and said, make as much noise as you can, boys. And he gave them pitchers and told them to break it. Can you imagine that being the plan? There's so many thousands, they can't even count them. 300, gave them pitchers. And when I tell you, you're going to break them. And they had trumpets in their right hand to blow. And they shouted to the Lord and the enemy heard that and they started crying, thousands and thousands of them. And they took off running and got confused and turned their swords on each other. Remember the king of Syria was making war against Israel and his servant came and said, there's a prophet, Elisha, and God tells him what you say in your bedroom. And he said, go find him. And they found him in Dothan, not Alabama. (laughs) And they came in the nighttime and they surrounded him, horses and chariots and a great army. And Elisha's servant got up in the morning and went outside and there they were surrounded. And he ran back in and told Elijah and said, what are we going to do? And Elijah said, "Don't, don't have an anxiety attack. There's more with us than there are with them. And his servant said, let's see. I see me and I see you. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and it says, behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around, an army of angels. And in the very next chapter, 2 Kings 7, there were four lepers. And they said, why sit here till we die? They were outcasts. They, they were forgotten. And they said, if we just sit here, we're going to die. If we go to the Syrian camp, I mean, they might kill us, but we're going to die anyway. So off they went. And they got to the camp, and the camp was empty. And the Bible says, for the Lord had caused the Syrian army to hear the noise 
of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of great armies. And they said, the king of Israel has hired the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. And they ran for their lives. I, I don't think God just made them to hear sounds that weren't actually there. I know what they heard because it's the same language we just saw in the chapter before with Elisha. It was those same warring angels when they saw horses and chariots and fire all around. In the previous chapter, in chapter 6, Elisha and his servant saw him. But in chapter 7, the Syrian army heard him. It wasn't the Hittites and it wasn't the Egyptians. It was an army of angels. And God opened their eyes and their ears and they could, they could see and hear in the spirit realm. I'm telling you, he'll even cause your enemy to see and hear in the spirit realm. Sometimes just to scare the liver out of them. And when you lift up your voice and you shout unto God with a voice of triumph, you just hear what's happening in this realm. But what's happening in this realm is not all that's happening. I mean, if God opened your spiritual eyes and spiritual ears and you saw what was really going on when you did that, the faith in your shout is activating angels. And let me tell you, if you're in a battle and you need them, warring angels, angel army, chariots of fire and horses and a great army are activated because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so these four lepers set up camp outside the city gate. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of victory in their camp. I mean, they're starving, they're dying, they're outcasts like a homeless camp. No victory whatsoever. There was no sound of excitement. You know, they're dragging around. That's what, that's what it sounded like in their camp. So they decided, we're for sure dying. Here, maybe at least if we go, they'll give us something to eat. So here they go. I mean, looking like the living dead, traipsing off. But when you make a decision and you put your faith in action, it activates the unseen realm. And in the unseen realm was chariots of fire and horses and a great army. And God opened the ears of the army of the Syrians and that's what they heard in the enemy's camp. And let me tell you, if you're in faith, God's on your side. And there's faith in the shout. Shouting unto God is a weapon. Your, your weapon is not in your hand. Your weapon is in your mouth. That's the weapon God used at Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. But remember what he told the people first. Don't shout or say anything at all. Not a word out of your mouth until I say shout. Then you shall shout. Why? Because it's strategic. Because it's warfare. And not saying the wrong thing as just as important as saying the right thing. Because whatever you give voice to, you strengthen. So God doesn't want them talking about how they felt or what's happening to them or how they feel about their feelings. So he just said, don't say a word. He didn't ask them how they felt. He didn't want to know how they felt. Don't say a word till I say shout. Shout, shouting unto God, with a voice of triumph means you're triumphing over something. Now, over in Joshua, 
almost finished. Over in Joshua chapter 1. After the, after the death of Moses, verse 1, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses minister, Moses, my servant is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land which I am giving, uh, giving to them, the Israelites, every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you as I promised Moses. Now that's a tough act to follow, Moses. Wouldn't Moses... I wouldn't want to follow Moses. I had to fill in for Brother Hagen one time. One time in Switzerland, we were with Mark and Janet, you know, Brazil, and went to Switzerland, and they said, Brother Hagen can't make it. Ray Jean's coming. They said, Ray Jean, the, the singer that looks like Nacho Libre, is filling in for Brother Hagen? It's very exciting. A lot of faith in the room. So Joshua, so Joshua's coming in now after Moses. And now they're going through a transition and he can't just do what Moses did because Moses' leadership was to get them through the wilderness. And that's where they've been. That's not where they're going. They're about to step into the promised land. So God is walking him through some things and alleviating some stress and anxiety. In verse 5, no man, this is what he said, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good be of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it and then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I got your back. Anytime you're worried about what might happen, that's what anxiety is. You know, on today, on, on TV, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on, on the internet, every day is flooded with anxiety of what might happen. And God's saying, just be strong. Either way it goes, I got your back. If you have to change, I got you. If you have to stay, I got you. Because God's getting them ready for Jericho. They don't know it yet. He's getting them ready for a fight and they don't know it. I mean, it may look shaky right now, but when it's all over, you're going to own it. You're going to take over, so get ready. So God had, God had given them the land. It's been written in eternity, but you're going to have to fight for it. But I'm going to anoint you to do it. You possess it. You take possession. Let me tell you, you wouldn't even need Ephesians 3.20 if you're going to just live status quo. If you're just going to roll with the punches. You don't need exceedingly. You don't need abundantly. You don't need above. If you're going to just live like everybody else, you can do that on your own. You don't need good measure or pressed down, shaken together. And you sure don't need running over if you're going to live just like everybody else. 
I'm telling you, this word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Why would you need a weapon like that if you weren't going to fight with it? The word is a, a weapon when it's in your mouth. Your shout is a weapon. It was a weapon with Gideon. It was a weapon in the enemy's camp. It was a weapon at Jericho. It was a weapon then, and it's a weapon now. But the shout you hear just in the natural is not all that's happening because the faith in your shout is activating angels and chariots of fire. And let me tell you, you will have a Jericho. Because you got to fight for your family. And you got to fight for your mission. And you got to fight for your dream. And you got to fight for your vision. You got to fight for your future. You got to fight for your Jericho. But the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment God shall condemn, for this is your heritage as a servant of the Lord, and your righteousness is of me, says the Lord. He'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his wings. You'll not be afraid of the terror of night nor the arrows or the evil plots and slander of the wicked that flies by day. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand but it's not coming to your house. There shall no evil befall you nor any plague or calamity or disease or virus come to your house. He'll give his angels charge over you and they will accompany you and defend you and preserve you. And when you call on him, he'll answer you. He'll be with you in trouble. He will deliver you. With long life will he satisfy you and show you his salvation. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come out against you one way and flee before you seven. Thus saith the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of your enemy, for the battle is not yours but God's. You'll not need to fight in this battle, but you will have to position yourself. Then stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord is with you. Believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe as prophets, so shall you prosper. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But he delights in the word of God, and he meditates in it day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. 
Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But you will remember the name of the Lord your God. They have bound down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me. And even though the enemy may be all around me, they don't have a seat at the table. They can't get up to the table. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We're still talking about that same spirit. And you shall be witnesses to me to the ends of the earth. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And he sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's just how it started. And then they went to their own company and they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard him and Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And suddenly, all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And Paul said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that we're in us that same spirit that same spirit so be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God Woo! that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, keep on standing. Because he who has begun a good work in you We'll complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. And you remember, over in Acts 12, Herod killed James and put Peter in prison and put 16 soldiers guarding him. But fervent, red-hot prayer 
for him was made by the church assembly. And the Bible says they wouldn't stop praying. Peter was asleep, chained between two soldiers, 16 soldiers outside. They were guarding him. And suddenly an angel appeared. And a light shone down from heaven. The angel said, get up. And he got up and the chains fell off. And he said, tighten your belt and bind your sandals and come with me. And Peter didn't even know if he was dreaming or seeing a vision or what. And they passed through the first gate, uh, through the first guard, through the second guard, and came to the city gate and it swung open on its own. And Peter finally realized this is really happening. The Lord sent his angel and delivered him. And he knew right where to go. He went to Mary, John Mark's mother's house. And sure enough, there they were praying. I mean, you could hear him praying outside and he pounded on the door and pounded on the door and finally Rhoda came and said who is it and he said it's Peter and she got so excited and she ran in and told everyone she got so excited she forgot to unlock the gate and they said who is it and she said it's Peter and they said you're crazy Rhoda Peter's in prison that's why we're praying it's probably his angel and he kept pounding and kept pounding and said, open up, it's me. Think about that. What kind of stuff are they happening? What kind of stuff are they happening? They're in a prayer meeting. And they said, Peter's at the gate. And they said, oh, it's probably just his angel. Because if I'd have been praying and they said it's his angel, I'd say, well, I think I want to see the angel. <laughs> what kind of stuff are they having happening all the time? where they're seeing all kinds of stuff and angels, they wouldn't even get up from praying to go see that. Don't bother us, Rhoda. It's probably just another angel. Can you imagine that? Well, you better imagine it because we're about to see it. I'm telling you, the church has entered the days of supernatural manifestations and we're about to see things that seem too good to be true. God is pouring out his glory and his goodness and his manifestations and all the earth shall see it. We'll be praying for something. And we'll hear something. How can that be here already? I'm just now praying for it. This is the day the Bible talks about where behold the days are coming, says the Lord. It says over in Amos, when the plowman shall uh, overtake the reaper, the grain will grow faster than it can be harvested. If it's not now, when is it? The grapes will grow faster than wine can be made. The mountains will drip with sweet wine. The hills will flow with it. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let me tell you, your weapon is his word in your mouth. He said over in Numbers 14, Listen to this verse. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him.